0: Give it a rest. Too much, too much. You're going to get locked out. All right.
1: Behold the sword of power, Excalibur.
0: To the Ogasho oh oh Galio oh Wow Podcast, the podcast where we talk about the Marvel comic series Excalibur and nothing but Excalibur every week for 126 plus weeks. This week we're off the beaten path, catching up with the further adventures of the extended family of one raven Dark Home, otherwise known as Sherlock Holmes, otherwise known as Mystique. That's right, you voted and democracy wins. We are covering X Men Unlimited number four, theories of relativity, aka the one where Mystique yeets baby Kurt over a waterfall. X Men Unlimited. <laughs> 4 was originally published in March 1994, and the creative team is Scott Lobdell on writing, Richard Bennett on pencils, Steve Monsoose on inks, Glennis Oliver on colors, Dave Sharp on letters, and Kelly Covers and Bob Harris on editing. Charleston, West Virginia, in fourth place in the shot competition, this is his final throw. The sixth and final round, his best throw so far, 21 meters and 31, out of the medals.
1: The spin technician, oh that looks better, oh that's a big throw! But Timmermans' lead is 22 metres and 29 at 73 feet 3 and a quarter. Now has Randy Barnes pulled one out of the back and taken the
2: gold medal away from the world record holder?
0: Welcome back to Tangential Excalibur Chat with your hoary hosts who I'll introduce in descending order of being apologetic for making us discuss this comic book, starting with myself. I am Dr. Anna Papard. You can usually find me talking about sexy, gendery stuff in academic places and other places like the Twitter account Sequential Scholars, which is currently wrapping up a series of threads on Teen Titans. The day this episode drops, we should be hosting a guest thread by one Dr. Christopher Maverick about the saga of Terra in the Judas Contract, so look out for that. I am also... Also I Kurt Wagner's that. unofficial should, <laughs> That would be good, right? It's <laughs> uh, gonna be the hottest thing on this Saturday and that well, I mean, competing with this episode, of course, but you could do both. I am also Kurt Wagner's unofficial PR manager. And in that capacity, the Kurt and Amanda flashback in this issue is cancelled. I honestly forgot it existed before rereading this comic, and I am full of regret about reminding everybody, but we will talk about it in due course. So moving on, I am joined as always by Mav. Please remind us of your mutant heritage.
2: I mean, I don't know my mutant heritage because, you know, it changes twice within one issue. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You know, I had an origin story and then, you know, now now I doubt everything that I've ever known. Do I have a brother? Do I have a sister? Actually, I have two brothers and a sister. But like they're they're a half, they're two half brothers and a half sister. So 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 maybe it's like this. Um they're not step brothers. I had a stepbrother, but this book doesn't know the difference between step and half and like foster and like (laughs) those words are all meaningless. So that was interesting. But, you know, aside from, like, now you know my family history vaguely, not really any better than you did before. Hi, my name is Christopher Maverick, but you can call me Mav. And (laughs) and, uh, I co-host this show and, and another one called Vox Popcast where we talk about pop culture and um, sex and gender. And I think uh, as you're listening to this, Doctor Who this weekend. So timey-wimey stuff. That should be fun. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, listen to my other show. It's probably a more interesting story <laughs> than this one, but hopefully not in more interesting <laughs> conversation. I think our conversation is going to be good. Aww. Um, I just don't think You know, I always wonder, you always say, you know, if people who are reading along with us, and then sometimes an issue comes across like this when I'm like, why? Why are you reading along with us? Why would you do that? Let us know in the the comments. Why why would you read this? Well,
0: I, I like, would have to think that the vast majority of our listeners will have read this comic already. I mean, like, we talk about Nightcrawler enough on the (laughs) podcast that people sometimes call this a Nightcrawler podcast. And this is, like... The nightcrawler issue about his parentage, which is partly why uh-huh. we're covering it, but also because the sure. continuity is directly between the two issues of Excalibur. Uh-huh. So I bet most people have read it already. I don't know how many of them will reread it. They can let us know. I,
2: we'll talk about it. I'm sorry, it. I, regardless. I, I, we'll talk about it when we get to the when we get to first impressions.
0: Uh, yeah. Okay. All right, Andrew. Please remind us of your complex family tree. Um, not.
2: <laughs> um,
1: I can say that I am from Thunder Bay, Ontario. Which has a famous murder waterfall in it Ooh. called Kekebeka Falls, where the story is that a bunch of um, British imperialists kidnapped an indigenous woman and made her lead them down the river so that they could attack her village. And she was like, "Okay," and she led them all over the giant falls and killed them all. Oh, that's, man, that's awesome! Fucking
2: awesome. I wouldn't. <laughs> I
0: was really thinking that story was going to end in a worse way, but that's an awesome story.
2: No, no. I, that, I mean, you know, death is death episode. is bad that,
0: and everything. But I, yeah. d- I
2: disagree. Hard disagree. This was awesome. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I want to know more.
0: <laughs> Under the circumstances, I'll allow it. Yeah, I kind of do want to talk about that more than yeah. this. But anyway, let's talk about this. Talk about some other waterfalls. So this is a bonus episode of sorts. And we are guestless this week. I'm sure there are many of you that we could have asked. But <laughs> we thought we'd ply we like our you. wares alone <laughs> for this one. And yeah, we didn't, we didn't want to force this upon you we've still got a lot of Excalibur issues that we (laughs) need to cover and not wear out our welcome with all of our best friends. (laughs) Um, But yeah, anyway, so we're just going to keep it loose this week. And I thought since we're not doing any comics origin stories or anything, we could talk about our personal histories with X-Men Unlimited a little bit, or if we have any personal histories with this particular comic. Starting with myself, I have reread a lot of X-Men Unlimited in the past year just kind of I don't know it's like (laughs) it's a fun series to just kind of read and find little snippets of wild stuff that they just kind of threw in there or like little slice of life moments and the better examples or like I don't know it was a series where you never really knew what you're gonna get. But if either of you have thoughts about it or have insight into the origins of this series, have at it.
1: I I think I personally read it as um, um, in contrast or comparison to obviously the classic X-Men backup stories. And it's that same sort of idea of let's isolate a few characters or one character at a time and cultivate their story in order to create a richer overall universe, which I really like. But what I find fascinating about X-Men Unlimited is their commitment to um, extreme action in these these character vignettes at the same time Uh, it's very 90s in that sense to me um but i find it very enjoyable like i i I like what they're trying to do i I like giving smaller groups of characters or individual characters a spotlight um even if it is going to be within the hyper violent 90s aesthetic so yeah it's to me like classic x-men but not as good
0: yeah and it kind of changes over the course of I mean there's a volume one and a volume two which are sort of the same concept but sort of different tones because it's different eras but like yeah I would say like the more recent ones like the volume two ones are a little bit more like classic X-Men like there's a few from there that I just mm. really love like you know there's a Greg Ruka like Kitty story where Kurt comes to visit her and like grieves with her over Colossus that's like really, really really like classic X-Men in terms of being that slice of life that doesn't actually have any superhero action in it at all and like yeah, even in the earlier ones, there's like some little moments like that We're this is ostensibly a character issue, although, as you said, <laughs> very <laughs> bombastically violent as well.
1: Yeah, improbably so in many, many yeah, cases. yeah,
0: What's your history with X-Men Unlimited Mav? Was it something that you read at the time?
2: I mean, a few of them. I didn't care for it. Uh, I didn't this is um a weird portion for me and this is always uh interesting I think the thing that I've learned that I like best about our show is I get a chance to reflect where I was as a comic reader since yeah, I read all of these yeah. I read I'm, I'm slightly older than both of you guys are and I was a Big comic fan at that time of this, of all of these stuff. So I was reading these things and growing older, and this is my formative years. This is, um this this book would have been 1994. This is two years into college for me. My tastes are changing as, you know, as Excalibur goes on, which is kind of neat. And in some ways, they're growing away from what Marvel is trying to do with the X line at this point. The thing with Classic X-Men, which was a series that I really loved, and we've talked about this before on the show. I loved the fill-in issues, the fill-in parts of it, you know, the backup stories, because it's neat seeing something that I loved growing up expanded upon. And I mm-hmm. think class I think X-Men Unlimited wants to be that like you guys were saying and in fact I vaguely remember there being when they canceled classic X-Men there being a um a, a letters column or a bullpen bulletins or something or an interview in Wizard I don't remember where talking about how no it's not really being canceled we're evolving it's going to be in X-Men Unlimited we're going to have more room for these stories rather than just have a six page backup in the back of a reprint now we can flesh out these characters fully in these you know in these stories and and, and the problem is they're bad <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> like, 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 like that's that's the flaw they're they're, they're not good we're, and, uh, we and we should say when we were planning this episode anna um reread it first and i've read this before but i have no memory of reading this before so i know i did but it's just like it's a blank in my head and you were like oh this is i'm so sorry this is horrible this is horrible and i and you and and i I read it and I was like, "Well, it's not it's not the worst comic I've ever read. I mean, it's not good, but I I I just (laughs) I was just like, this is this is a lot of nothing. It reminds me, and we'll talk about the reasons why. But everything that I think people stereotypically say is the problem with this era of comics, with the nineties ishness, the nineties ness of what the nineties were. This is nineties all over the place. It is without thought." or consequence or purpose it's just like hey let's do that thing and and fill up some pages and there's a lot of pages it's like 50 pages long there's a a lot of story here and it's just like uh, a lot of story nothing happening that's where I was with it. Well, A lot like, of cheekbones.
0: I, there are yes, yeah, so many cheekbones with extreme <laughs> shading on them, and everybody has the exact same ones, regardless of who they are. <laughs> the I I do remember reading this for the first time, and like I I don't remember this specifically, but I'm pretty sure this is how I would have gone about it because this is how I do things. I think probably when I was getting really into X Men comics and like my fandom of Nightcrawler was peaking and everything, you know, when I was first reading it, you know, what 15 years ago or something. I probably like did the thing that you do where you want to know when important things happen you're like well when was Mystique revealed as Nightcrawler's mother so you google that you find out it's this issue and you're super excited about it because even though it happened a long time ago you're still like this moment's going to be really good you know it's like the moment Mm -hmm. where like a secret identity gets revealed to Lois or something this is going to be really good right I want to see this moment and just the confusion and the letdown about this comic still lives in part of my brain
2: (laughs) I (laughs) want to talk about that oh that
0: wasn't really what I wanted
2: (laughs) yeah after the <laughs> After the episode recap, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have lots of thoughts about that reveal because well I'm I'm curious well I guess we should do the recap first because I'm curious about why Anna thinks it's bad. And I want to compare that with the reasons why I think it is not even bad. It's dumb. Is where, is, is yeah, I feel about it. So, yeah. So we'll see.
0: Yeah, I think that we're all going to have different reasons for <laughs> thinking that so that it will be interesting. Okay, let's do that. Let's do the issue summary and then we'll just talk about it more. So I know we've got lots of lovely listeners reading along with the pod. We'd never get you over a waterfall unless it was really funny. But we will rescue you from <laughs> crashing... <laughs> We will rescue you from the crashing What did I write? But we will rescue you from crashing waves of cross hatching by explaining this week's story with an issue summary. My joke was too complicated. I couldn't even understand it. X1 Unlimited number 4 opens with Mystique assassinating General Armand Godier for supplying Graydon Creed and the Friends of Humanity with weapons to use against mutants. From there we jump to Graydon Creed wearing a house coat in a castle with a princess <laughs> learning about Godier's death before receiving a visit from an associate who's discovered some information regarding Regarding his family. Important information, scandalous information. Not only is Mystique Graydon's biological mother, but he also has a brother whose name is not revealed to the readers at this time in the interests of meaningless suspense. The news infuriates Creed who shoots the messenger. Elsewhere, Kurt Wagner, using his image inducer to go undercover as some guy from the 90s who I can't quite place, is on his way to DC at their quest of Forge to meet Rogue. He was told only that it was a family matter. Kurt and Rogue attend Godier's funeral, which is quickly busted up by Mystique, impersonating a priest who kicks open the casket and threatens to explode everybody, but especially Creed. Kurt saves Mystique from her own explosion. Rogue saves everyone else from the explosion. In their moment alone together, Mystique reminds Kurt she once told him to ask his adopted mother, Margali, about his parentage, which he apparently never did. She tells him to go home for answers. We later learn home is where Mystique raised Rogue in the backwoods of Mississippi. On the flight, Rogue and Kurt have flashbacks of their respective weird upbringings. When they arrive, they confront Graydon Creed, who is following them in a helicopter spaceship thingy. Kurt fights Graydon, who reveals Mystique is their mom and that she watched Kurt get tossed over a waterfall when he was a baby. Meanwhile, Rogue chats with Mystique, then Graydon shows up carrying an unconscious Kurt, but twist! It's Kurt using his image inducer to look like Graydon. Never want to let someone else take credit for her handiwork. Mystique reveals that she is the one who tossed Kurt over a waterfall to save herself, and that she'd absolutely do it again. Fall or move. <laughs> Graydon's henchman arrives to save him, and Mystique and Kurt get knocked over a conveniently placed cliff. Rogue can only save one of them, but doesn't have to choose. Mystique lets herself fall. Graydon watches his mother fall to what he hopes is her death while rogue flies the injured kurt back to dc kurt wondering if things will ever be the same again spoiler they will it will hardly matter at all like ever um but we'll talk a little bit about that <laughs> probably i want to talk about the implications of the reveal um so yeah first impressions we already got into it a little bit but andrew i think you were like a little bit hotter on the issue than andrew and mav so why don't you go first with your first impressions
2: you called yourself andrew sure. just now um-
0: what did I
2: you're say? Just, you just called yourself Andrew. You said, Andrew, you were hotter on the issue than Andrew and Matt. Then you meant yourself and Matt. You called yourself <laughs> Andrew just now. It was amazing. I don't things know are, if you're editing this out or not, going but it was great really day. awesome. Well, whatever.
0: <laughs> I said we were keeping it loose today, so let's yeah. just go with it. But yeah, Andrew, yeah. a person who is a separate person from me, what were your first <laughs> impressions of this one?
1: Um, yeah, no, I I think I, I'm more prone to defend it in terms of its ambition. Um, I, I agree the execution is bad. I, I think there's good layouts in it. In, in fact, I would argue some very good layouts in it. I, I think the finishes aren't up to par, and I think that hurts a lot of the line art. But I, I like a lot of the visual design of it. um, and, and for me, what I like about what Lobdell is doing here, and as we've seen, I'm not one to easily praise Lobdell. I like what he's doing with the characterization of Mystique outside of continuity as a chaotic force of nature who is inconsistent, um, who is a shapeshifter in character as well as in terms of power set. I think that's kind of cool. I, I like the dynamic at the end, the idea that the only one who can recognize That mystique is self-involved is Graydon Creed as a piece of shit who therefore has that cynical perspective whereas Kurt and Rogue as heroes constantly try to see the good in people um i I think that's a cool place to leave it because the villain kind of wins the ideological war um even though he's cartoonish in a lot of different ways (laughs) um it's not perfectly executed it's not consistent but as i said like i I think lobdell is starting to try to do some cool more ambitious stuff he's not aiming for like the safest possible story which is a complaint i've had against his work in the past here he's trying to do something that's kind of new and interesting even if it's not really landing so that'd be my defense of it.
0: yeah i mean so much of my reaction to it is just that I find it almost unreadable because of the art and the lettering and you know I don't know how much it's the inks because I agree with you there's a few instances where I'm like okay like we did this like castle on a cliff with you know some nice white space there but then other times there's just no white space at all and I like just can't actually tell like the funeral part where there's the explosion yeah. I don't know what happened there. I have no No. idea where the explosion was aiming. I don't know what Rogue did. I don't know what Kurt did. I don't know why any of it happened. And that is a failure of art because it is not arranged in a way that makes any kind of logical sense. And I just can't tell what happened. And it really has this feel to me like it was drawn like it was like marvel methoded because like it was drawn and then the bubbles were added because there's one in the lead up to the funeral too where like the conversation starts in the panel on the right and then goes back to the panel on the left for Kurt's response and then goes back to the panel on the right so basically in that layout we started forward in time then went backwards in time time to start the conversation like it just makes no sense like that's just failing at making a comprehensible comic like it's breaking the rules of comics for no reason—it's just a mistake. And there's just little things like that throughout this comic. Like I was always mad at myself because I was like, "Is it just me? Like, am I bad at reading no. comics?" And I was like, "No, this comic is hard
2: to read." It just no, it is the children frustrated. that are wrong. Uh- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the one for me is when Mystique, I guess, t- changes herself into one of the guards in order to escape af- after after yeah, killing whatever the the soldier's name is, it doesn't matter. And I don't feel like flipping back two pages to find out. So, you know, uh, it was, there was a lot of that. There was a lot of, oh, this just feels lazy in ways. That's what's unforgivable to me. It's It's not that it's, it's not just that it's bad. It's that it's lazy. That hurts. I, I don't like, I don't like when things are bad because no one, no one cared to make them better. The, the point here was they were give, like, R- Richard Barnett was given the instructions can you draw something imagey and that's what it is and everything here mm-hmm. does not feel like someone made any intentional choices everything here feels like someone was trying to do the image thing and we lost those guys so we're going to create our own and it doesn't matter and it is the inking so on this first opening double page splash where it's a really clever idea for a shot yeah. like yeah, like the idea that you're going to watch the gun in the guy's face and you're going to know it's mystique because you can see her reflected in the, in the glass. This is a really clever idea that does not work at all because there is no variation of line. The blacks are too heavy in the window. I cannot see her. There's no choices here. Barnett's just like, I don't know. They draw over an image. They draw women with skinny legs that are too long. So I'm going to do that here. And it feels like it was done accidentally, And, like, he knows and just didn't care. The reflection does not match the person, like, the leg's in the wrong place. Like, everything about it is just not well done. And I would, conceptually, like, I could see that kind of thing happening in a young blood, and going, yeah, Rob's doing his thing. He's doing the Rob thing. But here it's just done poorly and not caring that it's poor. And then the writing, same thing. Like, I don't know... uh, oh god like literally everything about Graydon we'll talk about this in a bit but everything about Graydon bothers me and yet for all these complaints nothing in here bothers me enough to where I'm like this is awful this is like it's a Marvel one Unlimited you can skip it you never have to read this and it doesn't matter like you, you know you'd never well, know if you if you missed it it's fine. well it this
0: anything. one yeah I mean I guess you don't really have to read it but I was just like the reveal of Mystique as Kurt's parent is in theory a pretty
1: important
2: It should have thing. been, but it's something, yeah. and, we'll, and we'll, when we get no, to that Because it it,
1: it's 142
2: made it so clear, like right. so clear <laughs> Right, that's yeah, the thing. Like, but well, still okay, we haven't
0: had that. it confirmed, so yeah,
2: but I don't care because it I don't care because this this book treats it's not treating me like I'm stupid. Like I think there's supposed to be dramatic irony. Kurt is stupid, I guess, because or He's maybe so stupid. He's really stupid. So yeah, so really stupid. Like, <laughs> it, I, I mean the book's like, oh, you know, like you've got a brother, who could it be? And I'm like, well, there's only one other male character in this book. Literally. <laughs> if it's a brother, <laughs> like you've introduced exactly like okay I mean, it's not Forge, because Forge is like, oh, well, wait wait till they figure out the secret. So so Forge is off the table, and then Graydon is not his own brother. So it's Kurt. It's clearly Kurt, first off, because they're both blue, but also there's nobody else. That's it. There's nobody else to, for it to be. They they did not throw you a red herring. It's not interesting. And also, have you read a comic book before? Because it's been pretty clear that Kurt and Mystique were, you know, for two hundred some issues. <laughs> <laughs> like they they made it clear like you said and what is it x-men 140 142 142 yeah so like i knew that everybody else knew that and kurt seems dumb because he doesn't and it seems like you think that i'm dumb because like am i supposed to be surprised by this am i supposed to go oh this is so shocking it is her it is her that is your mother that was telegraphed for the last 45 odd pages well <laughs> so
0: yeah. i mean and like i don't have anything to base this on but it's just feels to me based on x-men letter calls that i've been reading around this time because i've been reading a lot of them and then of course we've had a bunch of letters asking about the connection between mystique that have shown up in the excalibur letter pages so it feels to me more like all the fans already knew this and they knew that this was what was going to happen in this issue and it was more a case of like we just needed a canon story to like make it true so that's what this is and here's a bunch of pages and it's four (laughs) dollars like which yeah. is like so expensive in 1994 and like it's you know, now i guess you're it's exp- <laughs> oh no i know i like i bought a physical copy of immortal x-men number seven like a couple weeks ago because i just you know it was a great current issue and i just wanted a copy of it and i was like jesus comics are 550 now i can't afford this habit But like four bucks in 1994 is even more. But yeah, I don't know. Like the anti-climax. Two gallons of gas in 1994.
2: It was a lot. That was a lot.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I (laughs) know. But like the. Because there is the one red herring thing of. Graydon reveals the story about Mystique and it's not quite right only because Mystique is actually the one that threw him over the waterfall and that's another thing in this comic where that always confused me because I was like wait there was a twist but wait that wasn't even a twist it was like the exact same story like Mm -hmm. (laughs) other than like Mystique was even more of a jerk and I'm like okay (laughs) like what was the point of telling that story twice other than to fill pages?
1: Okay so I would probably argue that that's where we're trying to do the thing with Mystique to present her as a true villain as opposed to this reformed sort of heroic villain. So to me, that that wasn't awful. And I kind of like that shortly thereafter, Mystique seems to sacrifice herself for her mm-hmm, kids mm-hmm. and is just bringing pure chaotic energy to the entire thing. But that's the thing. If you're crediting chaotic energy, are you credi- crediting a uh, cool representation of chaotic energy? Or are you crediting inconsistency? <laughs> and then it's having it's the writer come in and say, yeah, I was trying to do that.
2: Because if she's a true villain, then I'm why not, did she sacrifice herself for her? I'm not convinced her? of that
1: for like, her I, I, own I, purposes. Crete flat out says it. I,
2: I, no, I, I, Yeah, I get that. But I think we're supposed to feel like, oh, she loved him after. Like, I think the story, I don't think that's the story that Lobdell is, tr- is telling. I think we're supposed to go, oh, a mother's love knows no bounds. Even an evil person like Mystique, she cannot make the same mistake twice. She will sacrifice herself for Kurt here, except that I don't care because the story is bad like I
0: uh my I, I read it closer to Andrew like I read okay. it more like and I read it like as it being intentionally this that like she still hates Kurt and does not have any feelings for him whatsoever really she made that abundantly clear but she's like trying to save rogue by sacrificing herself it has nothing to do with Kurt that's my read of it
2: how does she how does she see because it she's rogue? trying she's I... trying
0: but, but she's saving rogues like conscience by not making her have to make that choice like it's about her not Kurt I mean okay. I right. sort of like that there's ambambi there because I actually think that can work, but like I mean, the execution is lacking.
1: Okay, it's yeah, it's all over okay. the place.
2: It's the X Men. Kurt can teleport. Oh, but, no, he, no. but he can only spe-
1: do that when the story wants him to. Yeah, and Rogue <laughs> can fly at the speed of sound. Yeah, and so Rogue, Rogue beats the yeah. crap out of Kurt in this issue.
2: Yeah. yeah, Kurt Creed, a human man, yes, who is <laughs> <Yep. laughs> like, but yep. like, ro- Rogue can fly at sonic, just subsonic speeds. She can lift like ten tons. She can just carry them both, and it's not like that she doesn't have enough time because they have a conversation for a good. 45 seconds of which one are I mean read it out loud which one of us are you going to save I don't know and I'm like no like literally you are you know you can lift several tons you've got two arms grab one of each of them and fly away I know you can carry two people I've seen you do it before. Like nothing about it makes sense and I don't I, and it like I said it's not bad though it's not like it's comically bad it's just eh, that was yeah rushed there. and underthought and that's why I think it's supposed to like I feel like I'm supposed to feel an emotional connection that wow Mystique really, even if it's whether you say it's her sacrificing herself for Kurt or for Rogue, I'm supposed to go, wow, don't manipulate she, them both. Yeah, she's capable of love, so wonderful. But I don't, I don't care. I also don't think, um, like, well, I, I, I do think he's trying to show that she's absolutely villainous, and it's, and she's not reformed except that that's not where the character of mystique was in X-Men continuity at this time. It's like she, like all that stuff with forge was about her being, you know, not quite as evil. She's trying to be more, a more complex villain. And then when she comes back, she's going to continue to be a more complex villain. So why are we doing this? Like, I don't think she's an agent of chaos. I
1: think, I think she was playing forge. I think that had been established at this point.
2: She she was, but she was, but she wasn't playing forge for the, for the sake of evil. She was playing Forge because she's always got an agenda. It, it like, Right. And and that agenda is often, not that she cares about Kurt, but the agenda is often, I, I you know, I won't be manipulated. I do love my daughter. I do, like, there's a lot going on with Mystique, and I don't, I, don't, I really just don't feel any of this here, and I think it's just because even for the way Lepdale writes X books, this feels rushed, and it feels unimportant to me. It, it just, like, I don't, I didn't learn anything I know that mystique is rogue's mother, like i it's been very clear for you know, a decade or more. So, I, <laughs> so, so like, why do I care? And I don't feel like, um, like you said, it, you know, it ties back. It's an important issue, but what am I ever going to reference this? Like in another comic, I'm going to be like, yeah, go see X-Men unlimited number four. No, no one cares. You're just gonna, you just, you could have, you could have told me that you'd revealed it in, you know, Excalibur annual number four <laughs> and just not published it. and people would have been like, oh yeah, that, 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 because that's the kind of thing that wow. Excalibur does. So, you know, you could have done that
0: well a huge problem with this though I would argue too is the lack of follow-up because it seems pretty telegraphed here that the story Mystique tells has a lot of holes in it and there's a Mm -hmm. lot of room for like hey like let's see what really went on which of course then gets taken up in the Draco you know aka one of the most hated X-Men stories of all time (laughs) and we're still kind of reckoning with like is that canon or is that not canon like what are we currently doing with it we're basically just not mentioning any of this at all and pretending like Nightcrawler doesn't have A backstory, which is where we currently are at with the character. Mm -hmm. So, like, that's part of the problem because if there'd been a follow up, like, within a few years that, like, built on this and we had, like, comics featuring Mystique and Nightcrawler, like, developing their relationship and, like, figuring out the real story and it being something more interesting and better in every way than what we had in the Draco, like, it would be different. I think I would have a different feeling about this comic, but this is, like, the only Kurt Mystique thing we're going to get for, like, a decade. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so like yeah, that makes they have it a, hard too
2: if they have a dozen conversations with each other before you know between here and 2005 I'd be amazed
1: yeah even if it changed the relationship between Kurt and Rogue in a significant way yeah. um, or Kurt with himself and trying to understand his lineage in a significant way and it doesn't even do that
0: No, it's like it'll get referenced just to like be like this comic book exists, go buy it. But it does not change his behavior or Rogue's behavior or their relationship or anything in continuity for like, again, until it gets brought up again in like 2005.
2: Well, it does. I I will say I don't think this book changes anything in continuity. I think the explicit acknowledgement allows them to do something that so from this point onward in X-Books, Kurt and Rogue when they referenced each other, tended to talk about each other as brother and sister, which was weird because I don't feel like they have any real relationship. They barely know each other, you know, like, like he got hurt pretty soon. I mean, they, they know each other, but like, most of her time with the team at this point was after Kurt got hurt, right? Like he, she had joined, they did the secret war, and then soon after that they have the Munich Massacre and Kurt's gone, right? So they're not close the way Kurt is with a, with Kitty or Rogue is with, you know, Gambit or Storm or, you know, any, any of those other characters. And they're just kind of, oh, you know, we are both vaguely related to the same person maybe <laughs> sort of right <laughs> like i i don't like yeah. i think it wants him to be it wants them to be a family an important family and then i just don't feel it because i don't know what they are to each other you know like he 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 flirts with her earlier on in the book and you know that could be interesting yeah yeah and it's like i i mean i'm fine with it but i I just don't know what it's there for other than it just wants me to buy into a relationship that i am told rather than shown like i don't know why they care about each other
0: (laughs) like the current flirting with rogue back in uncanny like i'm fine with other than it being him being kind of a gross flirter which is like a and uncanny, but I'm also okay with that in the sense that you know, characters can behave uncomfortably if the point is that they're behaving uncomfortably, so I'm actually sure. fine with that. But with this one, it's like he flirts with Rogue just so there can be double incest, and like, yeah. why are we doing this? Why, why did like, we make
1: this choice?
0: Why, why, you know this why? Book needs. <laughs> because it's really out of nowhere it's just like and it's so exaggerated too like he growls at her and like is like oh baby and like come on
1: for continuity's sake and i know we can't trace continuity through this um but just as long as we're talking about it um rogue has absorbed kurt's powers and it is established that she has a piece of him inside of her yeah that makes which makes grosser for me
0: <laughs> yeah well but i mean well, yeah but that's kind of true with lots of people in rogue so yeah that's yeah that's sorta...
2: a, that doesn't make it gro- yeah. yeah it doesn't it makes it problematic but like for for me given the nature of rogue's powers that is a problem for anyone she ever like yeah, like, like yeah. It's, it's just gonna always it's gonna always be a problem right like she is she yeah. has access at least temporarily to her entire family and to you know her lovers right like <laughs> her and her and gambit she's absorbed gambit before and that's just how it is because otherwise her powers don't work and it's weird and you just presumably she got over it because otherwise she can't live her life you know <laughs> I, I, I guess
0: anyway a hundred percent that flirting moment is there so that like when it's later revealed that she's sort of his sister even though not really and like it's really pushing it to call that incest it's still there to like be like oh isn't that dramatically ironic because they're actually brother and sister just like kurt and amanda and this is apparently a pathological like pattern for these characters isn't that cool (laughs) and you're like no it's not cool nothing about that is cool why are you doing this
2: okay so theoretically i discussed this last week or next, no the ne- next week i guess on simply amazing yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. cuz because we cuz i haven't recorded it yet at time of this recording but i'm scheduled to tomorrow at time of, the, of this recording so probably next week i'm going to be talking about kurt and amanda on that show so go see her but as a short form i think there's a there's a thing where incest can be used um, and i'm not saying it's great i'm saying incest can frequently be used in fiction as a taboo that we want to explore in weird ways it, it very much tends to be a you know middle-aged white man um, taboo so <laughs> Absalom Absalom uh, Faulkner does this a lot right in in yes. in like in like you know sophisticated literature or whatever but also like look at <laughs> things look at things like um uh, if you want to do comics uh, I don't know Superman and supergirl have So many near incest moments in Silver Age comics. It's a lot. It's really a lot. Like there are, there's a time where they get hypnotized by Red Kryptonite into believing that they are a married couple rather than cousins. And they shack up together in the Fortress of Solitude for like a weekend. And it's not explicitly said what happens, but it's weird. And like, how do you not wonder about that? But also look at Empire Strikes Back. You see Leia and Luke kiss she kisses him full on the lips so that when you find out she's you know his sister just a little while later you're supposed to go oh wait a minute did she just kiss her brother an hour and a half ago that's supposed to be a thing and those are all those other stories i mentioned are arguably better than this one so (laughs) like that's like it's an exploration and i get wanting to explore it but it it doesn't it's, it's, it's not even explored enough to be creepy to me. It's just like a oh okay, you're doing a thing. I guess I'm supposed to care about this, but I don't. Just like just like with Mystique throwing herself off the off the cliff. Like I know I'm supposed to have an emotional reaction, but I don't. It's a reach to be called incest, right? Like it's it is the biological daughter, oh sorry, the biological son and the adopted daughter who have no real relationship with each other and he kissed her on the hand
1: but he calls her sister
2: yeah because the writing's bad <laughs> like, yeah. like he comes well, back I mean to again, your first I don't right.
0: I'm not again I'm not I'm not all up in arms about like Kurt and Rogue. It's more just like the fact that it's there yeah. so that we can have the later scene and then it being layered yeah. on top of exactly. the Amanda scene. Yeah. Which like the but, Amanda scene, like it just really comes across in that scene, like what a gross adolescent boy fantasy this is of like, oh, what if I had like a hot stepsister who was just hanging around in her leotard and mm-hmm. like it's so effing gross. Gross. Like, it's supposed I to be, just...
2: and, and it because yeah. they yeah. mention it, in they see, and that's actually better because we, we talked about this a little bit on a previous episode where you know is anything ever done with the fact that you know hey they're doing a they're doing a naughty thing you know it's his sister and but not really and here it is like she's they have the you know if you weren't my sister wink wink conversation in this book it's not well written but that's but it's there I, I, they're trying they're trying to do a thing yeah
0: i think it's grosser because of kurt's subject position here where he's really presented as leering at his sister yeah. in like a very deliberate way and mm-hmm. i find that really effing gross because other depictions of this relationship do not have that element yeah and like introducing that as a leering gaze is where i'm like this is cancelled absolutely cancelled yeah. i don't want to see nightcrawler doing that it's not
1: appropriate but there's a there's a trajectory i think being followed through here perhaps even being slightly created here um anna you mentioned it like this is kind of a thing with Kurt's relationships we 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 keep going back to this well his most recent relationship with Rachel has elements of incestuousness to it as well even though again not literal um his much shipped relationship with Kitty though not canonical um again well, not canonical in the, not of,
2: canonical in the main universe but like is in other universes right
1: yeah like it it seems like Kurt is being locked into this type if you will uh-huh. uh, of forming romantic partnerships with women who are Kind of like a sister to him. <sighs>
0: I don't know how much I want to read into that, like in terms of like a character pathologizing thing, because I feel like so much of it is just writers being gross, like hammering well, that. That's point kind of my and, point, like, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. Th- they're locking into it.
0: Yeah, but like I almost like wonder whether that's almost like a given with the nature of this character, and I don't mean that it has to be incest or something, but this is a character who has like empathetic friendships with women, and so like a lot of his relationships with women are a certain way, and so like the X Men being a family, I mean. we talked about this we already recorded it but we're talking about this more next week but you know that so many of the X-Men relationships are kind of fraught because of the found family metaphor so when any of them hook up it often becomes weird because a lot of them did know each other when they were quite young and kind of grew up in the mansion together and like something like Kitty and Rachel were like they were kind of mother daughter and now they're a couple but also like mother daughter backwards the other way there's like a lot of weird stuff like that or Kitty and Ileon As well. Mm -hmm. So, like, I'm hesitant to kind of layer this onto one specific character because I think it's a symptom of the franchise, but I will say that I am dismayed by how often it happens.
1: It's, I well, Four. I think it's it's a <laughs> symptom that's a of, line on a on a data set.
2: Well, yes, but i I would argue that it. I, I'm backing Anna here. It is a it is a symptom of adolescent soap opera storytelling, right? The same thing happens in Titans, in Teen Titans. The same thing happens on Days of Our Lives or Nine O Two One O, right? Like, or like any story where you have people grow up together, but you have a Relatively frozen cast, like they're depending, and you have changing writers. You're going to have you're going to have people played as you know found family that it's always going to be problematic if you start a relationship. They can't not be. Now, in real life what 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 happens is, you know, sometimes you either date you, you date the girl next door or you don't, or you go to college and you meet somebody who's just like a new person or you, you know, you move somewhere. Like like in real life we don't we don't live in the TV show Friends, right? We don't have we're not limited to a cast of regulars that are the only people we can have real relationships with, but it is a weird thing that happens in X-Men or in Titans or, you know, it's just You just have to do that if you want to be able to have, you know, Oh, but everybody's always wanted to see them hook up. Well, I mean, okay. So you're fan servicing it at the cost of doing something gross. If you know the entire continuity. Well, if I'm backed
0: into a quarter and I have to like, say something that is very supposition about it, it's like, well, this could be like the dark side of like nightcrawler being a sexually deviant character because people want to play with that aspect of the character. And yet (laughs) because comic writers, some of them, uh, do kind of write from that adolescent boy fantasy place this is what they end up doing with that deviance like oh wouldn't it be naughty if he hooked up with someone who's kind of his sister and like that's where yeah. their brain goes so like Which- that's why i'm rejecting it because i'm just like i don't have to accept that interpretation of continuity <laughs> well, you but i can totally why it goes to that place and it it definitely they hammered that point with the rachel thing like we've mentioned that on the podcast before but like they had flash forwards in that series where he like Mm -hmm. becomes a priest and then she refers to him as like father and i'm just like so you knew what you were doing (laughs) Like you did this on purpose yeah so good for you congratulations but this
2: is that i mean this is the adolescent boy i mean this is an era where editorially they believe very explicitly and publicly the average comic reader is a 13 year old adolescent boy boobs 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 that's what they're doing and it's on purpose and so yes it's hard for you to relate to as an adult woman but it like was designed to be like it I mean it's creepy I get I get why it's creepy I'm not 13 and I and I and that's what I'm saying I was I guess I was probably 21 when this came out and I was like oh this is not for me anymore like I could tell that it just yeah. wasn't for me anymore but that's because they they explicitly believe that the comics readership turned over in its entirety every 4 years that was like a statement that Marvel editorial had made because 13 year old or 12 year olds become 16 and they get cars and they discover girls that was the fundamental belief now they were wrong about their audience there were always girls reading comics but they did not know that and so they were catering to what they believed their audience was and their audience they believed was boys going wouldn't it be hot if I had a hot hot stepsister you know so yeah. okay (laughs) let's
0: talk about a different relationship in this comic which is like let's talk a little (laughs) bit more about the Kurt and Mystique relationship and like sort of our mileage on this reveal and like whether we find it interesting as a person who cares about Nightcrawler I want to find this relationship interesting so badly I mean (laughs) when we talked about the relationship between Kurt and Megan and like his fascination with shapeshifters and how much productive potential Potential is there in terms of Kurt being someone who's persecuted for his appearance, who can't change his appearance. And the idea of him being related to a shapeshifter, I think, has a lot of interesting rhetorical potential that has absolutely never been capitalized on in a single existing comic book. But still, <laughs> it could have been something. But yeah, I don't know. Um, Andrew, what are your thoughts about it? I mean, coming from it being um, telegraphed in in the Claremont era, I mean, we, we can mention Claremont's original intention, too. I'm sure it's come up on the podcast before but we should oh mention yeah, yeah. It. no go ahead oh, okay well that like the original intention was to have like destiny and mystique be kurt's parents and then of course was not allowed to do that yeah. so yeah his biological Shut down parents, twice yeah. that was
2: never gonna happen yeah. i mean he, he, that was him reaching for no the stars. <laughs> uh, and i and like if you if If he didn't – and he says that he was going to make it happen and he just never got to it. But, like, if he didn't have a backup plan, that's him not being good as a Marvel writer because he – like, you should have known that they were never going to allow that to happen when you wrote that. Like, there's no way. They they, they won't let you – say people are gay they're not going to let you do a gender queer gives birth that was never going to happen it's interesting but it was never going to happen
0: yeah and i mean i would have loved that because i love Mm -hmm. again the potential of nightcrawler being a character who has three mothers and like him being kind of a character who's linked to magic in some ways and a character who is situated outside of social norms in a lot of ways you know for good and bad we just spent 10 minutes talking about incest but at the same time like i I love that for kind of the larger queerness of the character you know for him to be a character who doesn't have a father I really really love that yeah. As like from a feminist perspective too I want it very badly mm-hmm. <laughs> and maybe someday <laughs> maybe someday they've been Not they've been sort of picturing them place. together well they've been sort of picturing them together lately kind of as a unit like it's been it was part of the axe event they had like quite a few scenes together which you know yeah, they right. can't d- They can't do that much with it, but still, like, in that Immortal issue that I just mentioned, you know, Destiny and Kurt had a scene together and he specifically referred to her at least as his stepmother, which Mm -hmm. is, like, more than we've gotten in comics in the past. So, you know, we're moving in the right direction, maybe, on that front, at least. He's
2: done it, I think, twice... In other Krakoa issues but like it's not but it's weird because he doesn't seem to have even the modern thing like you said you want to see it and the modern retellings or not retellings the modern tellings of their relationship is you know like Xavier will say you know Kurt your mother's on the council as well and and he treats it and they treat each other like they've always had this relationship but those comics don't exist anywhere anywhere, right like they're yeah. like they they appear to have this complicated relationship with each other and I go but they <laughs> no. have no relationship What? no what, they have no where, relationship where's the complications come. They barely know know. each other. This is not, you know, it would be interesting if we had followed up on this and you say, you know what? There's this weird complex relationship where he cannot help but feel love for her because he's always wanted a family and he never really felt like he had one and now he knows his biological mother, but it's weird because she's a villain and she doesn't want to have anything to do with him, but maybe she saves him and you could do stuff like that, but those comics don't exist that, you know, that's never happened. Okay. So
1: I'm actually gonna to defend this again, and oh, how this okay. manifests in this issue. Go for it. So, okay, and it, it, I don't think it's intentional at all, but it's something that I find really interesting. Um, as, as I think most people like the character mystique No, she's named after betty frieden's the feminine mystique one of the founding texts of second wave feminism in which frieden's main focus is the idea that um, women are forced into domestic servitude and that the nurturer role that's placed upon them is horribly unjust and obviously very political so the idea of telling a story in which mystique is just like i I don't you're not my son i don't i don't care i'd throw you off the waterfall again (laughs) is a weirdly grim (laughs) manifestation of that philosophy but villain coded to a horrible degree that kind of undermines it. Um, but I don't know. I, I just think there's there's something cool about Mystique being like, fuck it, I don't want a relationship with this guy. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I'm not going to be your mommy. I'm going to choose who I function as a mommy for and thus she chooses Rogue because uh, she likes Rogue better. You know what I mean? So, so, so that rejection is weirdly woven into some of the philosophy that informs the first creation of the character. But again, the execution is bad coming back to that point.
2: Yeah. Well, cuz yeah, I am going to back oh. I'm going
0: to back you up there a little bit, Andrew, like mm-hmm. because I actually like the idea of Mystique as a monstrous mother as well. I mean, you know, feminism doesn't always mean that women have to behave perfectly. They don't have to be the angel in the house. It like means them having individual and complex reactions to things and I mean, again, it's not something that's expounded upon, but
1: (laughs) Mystique is
0: like, there's a reading of Mystique where she's like a radical queer terrorist and like, you know, maybe she hates the idea of having a son and loves the idea of having a daughter and that would be a way you could characterize her. Again, I wish that it was explicated properly or interestingly in any existing comics, but it's still an interesting choice for this character to allow her to be this degree of monstrous mother and I don't hate that like like I don't hate that she is someone who knows what she wants and doesn't give a shit I mean is that way that like a villain can be powerful because they're rejecting social norms so completely and it doesn't mean that I'm like rooting for her or whatever Kurt's my guy don't throw baby Kurt over a waterfall <laughs> it's a bad thing to do but at the same time it's so outrageous that it kind of flips over into being camp which yeah, flips exactly. over into being redeemable right I mean that's why it's such a goofed on moment
2: guess <laughs> i mean I, <laughs> I, 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 I i i like i like the idea of what you're saying and i would buy it except yeah, yeah, that it takes two pages two pages for them to have a conversation about which one of us do you save while she sits there and I know. fucking hovers like I know. just <laughs> pick them up I like it, it doesn't like i understand i understand the point you're making but like that that's not this comic like the, like I, And also, I really do think that it's, you know, I'm making a decision for you. Like, I, it doesn't feel like she's saving Rogue. It doesn't feel like she's, you know, it it feels like I'm supposed to think of this as a dramatic moment where, um, I mean... I'm not stupid. I don't for two seconds believe that we're never going to see Mystique again. Like I've, you know, there's nobody I've, and I've read a comic book before. So obviously she's coming back, but also because everyone in this book at this point has the power to save themselves. Kurt can teleport. Why is he even hanging out there when the explosion happens like several pages earlier and they're running from the, when he calls in the, the airstrike and they're running away. Why are you running? You can teleport like, two miles just go like you don't like just leave <laughs> he does it, like literally it's conceptually stupid so fruit from the poison tree everything is just yeah. dumb after that for me like and i i can't make it work and i mean as you said before like how did he get graden into his costume and switch well how did Graydon oh beat God. him up for the first place like he's like Graydon that just, just... like literally everything about and mystique who has an eye for Detail to the point that she can, you know, that she can replicate other people because that's how her power works. Doesn't notice what color the skin is of the two people. I know. I know. Like, everything about this is just stupid. And, again, not bad, just dumb. Like, I know I'm talking about it like it's bad, (laughs) but it's, it's not offensive to me. It's, like, editorial. Someone should stand up at some point and say, yes, but, like, there's some obvious holes here and there's a lot of them. And I feel yeah. like nobody cared because they're like, we can sell this to people who like young women Like I think, <laughs> can that's I what defend they
1: yeah. the Rogue choice thing a little bit? Sure, yeah, go, with, go for <laughs> and it.
2: And again, you? Just, I'm
1: just, I'm piling on the charity today. <laughs> okay. So the reason I kind of like the idea of Mystique doing that thing where I'm going to make the choice for you, Rogue, is because it does define to me, at least, again, reading Charitable, the ambiguity of their relationship. The idea that Mystique shows love but is also controlling and manipulative. Uh, that that's their relationship to me. So I I kind of like that choice because is she doing Rogue a favor or is she continuing this toxic relationship? And the answer is yes.
2: So the better version of that, is when she's like, I'm going to protect you by sleeping with your boyfriend, which is the thing that, <laughs> that, that that she's also done, right? Like, like I'm showing you yep. the, uh, like, which by the way <laughs> is horrific, right? But like, um, like I love my daughter so much that I'm going to seduce her boyfriend to show her that her boyfriend's an asshole. And it's like, wait, huh? And, and like, she meant it, right? Like I get that, that, uh, that is gross, but conceptually better than this thing, which is pointless because again, Rogue can fly yeah, really fast and, and 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 Kurt can teleport. So it, it like that works because at least it makes sense in a disgusting deviant kind of way this doesn't it just like it's just so conceptually dumb that I can't make it work
0: well I mean I will say like on the on the Rogue and Mystique point like I do find the relationship between Rogue and Mystique incredibly interesting and I find it interesting in this comic I mean it's just the dynamics that are set up there are just really interesting you know it is this toxic parent relationship where sure Mystique took care of her but she also took care of her for selfish reasons and she died does have that manipulative love love for Rogue. Like, these are things that are based in reality that, like, are interesting, transposed into a superhero universe in which, like, the reality informing those character portrayals really adds a lot to this fantastic story. Mm-hmm. On the flip side of that, the relationship between Kurt and Mystique has, like, none of that because no one to this day has been able to come up with, like, a hook for how these characters would even think about each other. I mean, really, their relationship in this issue, and I think it's carried through right to the present day, has just been like they don't care about each other like I mean I have I'm really of two minds about it because I don't actually even know where I would want it to go because one of the problems I'll admit that there's a problem with Kurt as a character one of the problems with Kurt as a character is that he is so forgiving so like a lot of these interactions with Mystique are just like Well, he's going to forgive her and he's just going to like, you know, let her do her thing or whatever. And he's going to hate her and be angry with her. But it's never really going to manifest in his actions because that's just not who Nightcrawler is. So it's almost like there's just no tension there. And I think maybe you could do something interesting with it if like she was the one person he hated or he had some kind of different relationship with her than he has with other people. And you could maybe do something with that. But again, that's at the end of the day, you
2: threw me off a cliff. If he he just couldn't get past you threw me off a cliff when I was a baby. Like that would be, that would be a, a story or you go the other way and you go that he just can't, you, you go the other way and you go that he just, even though she threw him off a cliff as a baby, even though she's betrayed him a million times, he just really still needs his mommy to love him. Even though she can't either of those is a story either. One. I know.
0: And then a lot of modern <laughs> stories kind of vacillate between hinting at one or the other, but mm-hmm, never but committing no to idea. one or the other, which is part of the problem. But I think also to be fair, like part of the problem is just how screwed up Nightcrawler's continuity is because, because he has the relationship with Margali as well and he's forgiven her for mass murder. He's forgiven mm-hmm. her for abusing him. He's forgiven her for so many things. So there's already a context set up in which it wouldn't make any sense if he didn't forgive Mystique because he has this other mother that he has already forgiven for all of these things. Oh, I disagree. So, so I, I think, think it's a little bit of a I think it's a little bit of a trap. You if it was like different because she's like his biological mother.
2: No, I think I think I think you have an interesting story if you've got the biological mother who abandoned you and who threw you off a cliff, not even just abandoning you. Um, Yeah, versus the uh, versus the foster mother who is demonstrably evil and represents everything that you profess to stand against. But at the end of the day she took care of me when I was a baby so I cannot yeah, not yeah. love her like th- that becomes an interesting story if if he can't not love Margali no matter how hard he tries but he can't co- you know because she did take care of him even though she know- he knows she's wrong but he can't love Mystique no matter how hard he tries because she abandoned her- him even if she-, even if she had a good reason eh, you know a- well a reason <laughs> um uh, yeah. I don't know it's good you know she did throw him off a cliff I understand right but if but if he <laughs> if he's conflicted in that way that's a story that like I would I would totally read a you know if this is the opposite way if Kurt can only save Margulie or or Raven and they're both hanging from a cliff and Kurt only has time to save one of them who does he save that's an interesting story but we don't get that
0: No, I agree. I mean, I'll say the thing that's like, you know, someone pointed out should be the catchphrase of the pod, which is that you wrote a better story because, yeah, I think that that would make a lot of sense and would be something I would be interested in reading. And I would also be just interested in reading, like, more insight into why Mystique hates him and, like, because there's this implication that she takes in Rogue because Rogue, based on her powers, is useful to her and some of her affection is based on the use value of Rogue. So, like, my headcanon is kind of partly that there was no use value of baby Kurt to her And specifically from her perspective as a shapeshifter too, you know, to have a baby who, unlike herself, is burdened by not being able to hide would just be such a burden to her and the kind of life that she leads. And that is sort of also specific to the reasons that she abandons him because she relates to people based on their use value and he has no use value to her. And I sort of wish we had that sort of explicated a little bit more too because I could see that from her perspective, you know, her twisted, warped, evil perspective. That does make a lot of sense. Like he'd be such an affront to to her because of the nature of his abilities which again just aren't useful to her and well, would be a but, huge hindrance are to her now,
2: baby they are yeah but she like, yeah baby but like 30 year old kurt can teleport that's useful mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like yeah. i mean and and it's we have that story existing right um it's how depending on the state of continuity at the time that you're that you're reading it's how magneto treats wanda and pietro right yeah yeah like like and you can do that story like uh, that is interesting like the the fact that like magneto only cared about them at one point because they furthered the mission and they you know was was interesting i think it becomes more complex than that and i think that i think that those relationships and i i prefer i prefer for them to be mutants. you know just cards on the table but i think (laughs) um and i prefer for them to be magnus's children because i think that that story is interesting and i think trying to figure out you know how we relate when we when we know that he wasn't a good father and he knows that he wasn't a good father and yet they're still trying to have a relationship they tried they've tried to shift in modern comics because of the no more mutants thing um or not sorry, because of the inhumans Thing where they split them and made them not whatever. They've tried to re- shift much of that relationship onto Polaris, and it just doesn't work as well, you <laughs> know, because she didn't have the the history with him that the other kids do.
0: Yeah. Anyway, um, I don't know. I was gonna kind of like get us to like go around and like kind of talk about <laughs> our wildest moments from this comic, because there's just so many. But um, maybe we'll end up doing that in the course of. Uh, this will be the segment will be wildest moments slash final thoughts, <laughs> whatever moments that we didn't get a chance to talk talk
2: about <laughs> like, well, i don't know whether i'm to even gonna you.
0: have okay well, i don't even know if i have a specific moment or whether it's just the entire tone of the comic but sure mav go ahead you can start with yours.
2: uh labdell hates women um, the princess <laughs> oh, The princess. yeah, are the you princess. The princess? yeah. yeah. yeah i'm talking yeah. about the princess yeah. um i
0: I'll, I, will, I will say just i'll contribute quickly to that because i think my comment is very brief and i was thinking about this while i was walking my dog today it was like i don't like using the b-word in a derogatory manner because i don't like gendered insults but all of the women in this comic are written like <laughs> bitches in the misogynistic sense of that where like he just fucking
2: hates them i don't and, and 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 here's the thing, he doesn't in other books. It, it, it's I, I and I know you've never read it, but like I cannot square away the man who wrote early Gen X. Not that I think it's the best book in the world, but it's a book that I have, you know, an affection for. And characters that he cares about that are his babies, he does not treat like he treats Rogue in this, like he treats the princess in this. And to be fair, we said Kurt is stupid in this too. Like everybody, like I wouldn't call the, I wouldn't call the princess a bitch. She's a bimbo. She is t- she is not in intelligent enough to 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 tie her own shoes she is there because oh my god like not good enough to have a hot woman who's there just to show how studly creed is she's also got to be a princess and she's just gonna sit there and he's abusive to her he kills a man in her home and she's like get out and he's like no and she's like okay and that's like and then we never see her again like i don't even know what i'm supposed to get from her other than like she she is the you know she is the sexy lady who's there to lounge around. They've presumably just had sex, like, cause he's wearing the smoking jacket, and then she's, you know, just there so you can also, she, so he can also abuse her, so you know he's evil, which I gathered because he just, you know, killed a man by stabbing him with a bottle. So I, I get it, but like, it just she comes across as not sympathetic because she is so dumb. Even the mistakes she makes, where she says aspca instead of asap yeah, yeah, yeah no one does that like i i can i can believe she mispronounced ostentatious fine but like no one would say aspca it's not even comically dumb it's just a <laughs> ridiculous. like where would you even get this um this association it doesn't make sense and it's just like so much of this well. is it's that.
0: like she's she's bimboified so that we feel good about her being abused like she deserves it. Like, it's just Dude. so creepy. Uh,
2: see, I think I'm supposed to feel sorry for her when I th- like just because it's so much abuse and he's like clearly about to strike her and everything. And he's got the craziest look in her eyes in his eyes. And I'm just like, I don't know who you are. And it's and I don't know why he's evil other than. I guess because he's related to Sabretooth and Mystique which I don't know like literally yeah but there's
0: like a with. couple of things like the violence is like titillating because of the setup so there's mm-hmm. that where it's like implicating us in the abusive stuff and like right. not in a self critical way in a way that like we can enjoy this guy abusing a woman which is like a thing that often happens in comics yeah. but like I mean again I could see how there's a reading of it where we're supposed to have sympathy with her because she's dumb but she's also like a rich bimbo who like the idea that she Would not know better in this situation With the way it's all set up Makes her very unsympathetic It's just hard so like I don't know I like yeah it was uncomfortable
2: I, I think and again This is what I said at the very beginning I don't Think they understand image Comics they know Look, people loved us when we were throw, when we were drawing things with skinny random lines, so let's do that. And that's how much thought was put into this. And I don't know what 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 do the kids like? Throw some bigger boobs on her, give her some thigh-high stockings, I, stuff like that. But I don't think there's any intentionality to it or any forethought at all, even as much as like, we've talked about this before, with Lifebelt, the forethought is everyone should be bodies in space. They should all be sexy. They should all be impossibly muscular. Like, there's an intentionality to it where he is drawing his fantasy. I don't think this has been its fantasy. I, I, I think this is, or Barnett. I, I, I don't think this is anyone's fantasy. I think this is trying to go through the motions and not understanding the motions you're going through.
0: Yeah, I don't disagree with any of that. I also just... <laughs> like I don't know it's like so much like of like how everybody's yelling in this comic because of how it's drawn but like I just I have such a picture like I know it's supposed to be in German but like I have such a picture in my mind like a a vocal picture in my mind of like the way Amanda's voice must sound on that flashback page (laughs) okay I'll try to do it it's just like a bad 90s cartoon voice because she's like yelling right she's like smile kurt smile the people want to see a happy demon out there on the trapeze like that's exactly how she's talking in that (laughs) scene and it hurts it hurts my ears to imagine the sound of her voice in that scene based on the dialogue and how it's drawn (laughs) my one time i will ever act on the podcast (laughs) andrew andrew we need to get your final thoughts in
1: um, okay, so I'll start by saying that I really like the idea of um, taking a lot of time to depict Mystique violently beating a man to death. <laughs> uh, I, I think that's a really cool th- with her character but what i really loved is when she shapeshifts into abraham lincoln in order to mock him for his faux patriotism that was kind of awesome i I really enjoyed that part it was random and weird but the idea that she would take such glee in a man she's about to kill uh and use her power as part of that intellectual torture to me that 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 makes her an imposing villain which is something that i think is kind of always in part of her character but in a comics code era can't get away with stuff like that to the same degree uh and here i thought it really worked
0: yeah yeah i mean that's fair i mean <laughs> mystique comes across the best of anybody in this issue because the extremeness of the style fits the extremeness of her character even though even for yeah. her there's just some poses in this comic that i'm like i don't understand why she's like <laughs> crouching and like a bent back upwards butt shot when she's just like walking and what wo- anyway doesn't matter i have to let it go because it was published a long time ago um yeah i just my general thought was just again god damn it this was hard to read like just the <laughs> muddiness of the faces like the way they inking Mm. often makes it seem like is that a nose is that a cheekbone is that a mouth honestly can't tell it's just a bunch of smudge lines on a face and then those cheekbones that are like absolute craters (laughs) absolute sharp craters that you would tumble off of to your death almost as though you were being thrown over a waterfall by your evil abusive mother everybody's cheekbone in that comic evokes that scene maybe it was intentional i don't know
1: nobody has um, molars in this era (laughs)
0: <laughs> no absolutely not absolutely not i remember that being like a plot in an episode of rockford files where they had to identify like a woman based on the fact that well they knew she was a model because she'd had like part of her molars removed to give her that hollow cheek feeling and i remember my sister and i having our minds blown like was that a real thing people did and i don't know if that's a real thing people
1: i was gonna
2: did, say is it i i, I know, I know about that's not something that i've heard and i've done a lot of okay. uh, rockford files
0: movies. told me that this mm. was a thing in the 70s and i have not I, been <laughs> able to determine
2: whether it's true or not i was not but... doing i to be fair the 70s ended when i was six and i was not <laughs> yet doing any glamour <laughs> photography so i don't know um, that was more of a 2000s thing for me so
0: if any of our listeners are our cosmetic surgery historians let us know Yeah, I think we will wrap things up there we've talked about this comic as long as it deserves we are back to our regular scheduled Excalibur chat next week with an awesome episode on Excalibur 76 dog years starring the Sardos clan going back to Germany for a little R&R that looks a lot like hoarding family secrets and getting attacked by racist mobs in the meantime if you liked what you heard please follow us like and review the podcast wherever you're listening to it or watching it don't forget to check out our fabulous YouTube videos which we've done for many of our earlier episodes which you can find via our website or the Vox podcast YouTube channel as always if you want to chat us about Excalibur or pitch yourself as a guest for a future episode, let us know. You can reach out via our website, goshgollywow.com, where we've got some fun extras, and via Twitter, at goshgollywow, where we post daily pages from whatever issue we're reading that week and more fun extras. Thank you, Andrew and Matt, for another exhilarating scholarly swerve. Thank you all for listening, and a special thanks to Maximilian of Thought for music for a truly epic theme song. Play us out. both got a run.